It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name's James True Penny. This is my show. And having survived a Friday night in the hole like not many people before him, Mr. John Dinsdale is joining me today. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I was in Hull for a deathmatch tournament. I got to see the first ever European deathmatch champion crowned. It was really fun. And then I oh, came back. Could you, could you say it pronounced properly, which is correct? It's Hull. It's Karen. I came back. I slept all of Sunday, and here we are recording on a Monday afternoon, which must feel alien. It does a little bit. It's bank holiday Monday, so we thought we'd have some leeway. This won't go out until Monday night. It's just that it was. I'd rather talk to somebody and, about this, and no one else was available, and, and John was shattered. So it was like, we'll hold it off a day, because there's loads of stuff happened, and it's one of those shows where actually waiting a day gives you some perspective about what's going to happen next, because there was that many things happened. Uh, it was one of those shows. And one of our biggest complaints... Sorry? I was going to say it was also bloody hilarious. I was going to say, one of our biggest complaints about New Japan shows, and one of our reasons why our New Japan review shows have been so short, is because nothing much has happened down the years <laughs> for the last eight months or so. And by gum, an awful lot happened. Uh, we were in the Fukuoka Dome, and it was Wrestling Don Taco, historically a significant event. The first Wrestling Don Taku had the main event of. Just uh, Kiyaji Muto, the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, against Hulk Hogan, the WWF World Heavyweight Champion, some 27 years ago at um, the Egg Dome. Not long after that, it got moved to Fukuoka and the Fukuoka Dome, which is where it went back to for the first time in a long time because they could actually thoroughly justify <laughs> hiring a massive hall. Uh, they got 8,162. I will just check up what the Fukuoka Dome. Uh, pay pay dome, it's called, isn't it? Pay yeah. pay dome. Its capacity actually is, which is do, 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 ooh, 47,000 for a concert. So they didn't do that bad, really. Uh, you know, they quarter filled it, um, and uh, you know, they want to go back and keep trying to fill it, which is kind of the right attitude to have, I think. But uh, let us start where at the beginning, which is a match between Suzuki Gun, Tai Chi, Taki Michinoko, and Zack Sabre Jr. They defeated Los Ignorables de Japon, Bushi, your current and new King of Pro Wrestling champion, Shingo, uh... interim champion, Shingo Takagi, and Shiro Koshinaka dropping in as X for us after an unfortunate series of events, which led to Tatsumi Fujinami uh, being... Um, Unfortunately, down with a case of COVID, so he could not join this particular match. There are other people we won't be seeing on this particular show that were advertised for similar reasons, but we'll talk about them later. But for now, Shiro Kushinaka, one of my absolute hero wrestlers, um, guy I've loved watching for 30 years. He's just absolutely incredible. And turns up to be a temporary member of uh, Los Ignorables for the evening. And Bushi and Shingo got their butt butts in. Um, but the whole point of this particular matchup was the fact that uh, Tashi had lost his King of Pro Wrestling title to Shingo Takagi on the tour prior to this, I think it was the Golden Tour, 
um, uh, in a one count in a first to sixty counts match. So the first one to get to sixty pinfall counts won, and Shingo won with a six count at the end of the match. And the end of this match, uh, Tai Chi managed to get a six count on uh, Shingo after requesting the referee to keep counting past three. So that was kind of the setup for the next chapter of the King of Pro Wrestling. What was your thoughts on this one, John? That was a really fun match. I had no idea Taichi had lost the trophy already. So I was sort of just like, oh, you're going to make me hate Shingo. Don't do that. I like Shingo. But yeah, hopefully it just means we get more sort of fun matches between the two. But... Uh, yeah, it's already signed, sealed and delivered for the next tour, a uh, championship match. And they're talking about it being a one-four match this time, I think. No, no, a six-count match. That was it. You don't get a pinfall for three. You've got to get a pinfall for six. So it's like two-thirds of a last-man-standing match. Yes. Those <laughs> <laughs> guys in the last-man-standing match, you don't have to cover them. You just got to knock them out. So yeah, as fun, this... Though. Like, I went back and watched the last match. They had, mm. after learning that Taiji had lost, so I was like, oh, I hope he lost in a decent way then. And he did, thankfully. Uh, what, did you, what did you think of uh, young Shiro Koshinaka coming back as this hot youngster? <laughs> it is always nice when he sort of graces the New Japan ring, because he was back for one of the other shows we covered a while ago. And he's yeah. just, you can tell he's having fun. He knows there's no pressure on him, so he's just they're doing what he does best and having and having fun whilst he does it. <laughs> it I like it because Bush Bushy's a baby face when he's in these kind of matches. He just tries really hard, but he's just no good at it. He's trying really hard to do the Kashinuga book button. It's just like, nah, I'll just be bushy. Uh Shingo okay. gets a bit of a better idea to how to be a baby face. <laughs> I was just laughing at um Bushy's mask. <laughs> I think it came as a, re- I think it's an anime reference. I'm not sure. Um, I'm seeing anime characters with similar kinds of masks. A mask, a face mask on top of a mask, which is kind of cool. Um, uh, on the other side, Tai Chi, Takamichi, Noku, Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, all very good. In- enjoyable. Zack Sabre Jr. said at the end of the match, he said, you may feel bad about me being in the opening match. Don't worry. I got it covered. I won the New Japan Cup. Doesn't matter. Because, um, of course, yeah, you're a former world champion in this match. You had the winner of the New Japan Cup, you know, which tells you how loaded the rest of the card is going to be, isn't it, really? Kind of. There were a couple of matches where I was sort of questioning their position. Yeah. I mean, I suppose the next one to talk about, which is the next match, was one of those matches. It was like, did we really need this? I know the idea is to get everyone excited for the Best of Super Juniors, but after the announcement of the Best of Super Juniors, I think everybody was excited enough. It didn't really need this. This was just like, oh, Yo's boring, and he needs to show more fire for the 17th time in the last six months. It's like the guy finished second in Best of Super Juniors last year, but he's not apparently good enough to be in Best of Super Juniors. Less than six months later, make sense of that, if you will. Despite the fact he's beaten show when he's had... Good matches with Despy, and no, no, he's not good enough. He's just not showing enough Pushing this, though, and nothing makes sense in Hiromi's world. Well, so but it, it also feels like it's the, oh, Tanahashi's knees, their terrible thing of, 
this is a standard stock storyline that we use whenever we need to. And it's like, yeah, Bio's a bit boring. That's that's it's like he's not really. It's just it's just his character is about smooth counter wrestling, which isn't everybody's cup of tea. So yes. But you know, out of the uh Rapingi 3K breakup, Yo's come off far better right. in the long run. So yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I mean there's nothing wrong with this match. Absolutely fine. Did what it said on the tin. Just seemed a bit superfluous. Your thoughts, sir? Yeah, as you said, it kind of just did what it needed to. I mean it's never gonna be terrible. Oh, you got to do the best It's a raw movie. Yeah, and it's Yo, to be fair. You've got two of the best wrestlers in the world, and they're never going to have a bad match. It's not going to be unwatchable. It's just neither seem to be have the red in it, and it was hard to understand why we would have a red in it. So there you go. Meanwhile, the next match, Tangaloa and Yujiro Takahashi made perfect sense to happen, but wasn't going to be great because, you know, Yujiro and Tangaloa with the best wheel in the world aren't going to give you a five-star classic. They're going to give you a good solid storyline match that's going to do the job, which is what they did here. And there was nothing wrong with it. It was perfectly good, entertaining professional wrestling in a House of Torture style. He and the right guy won because, you know, you can't have Tangaloa losing to a guy who's 40 pounds lighter and known for not winning very much. Is it just me or does Tangaloa look like he's sort of struggling with the whole, oh shit, I'm a good guy now thing? He's not doing an awful lot different. And to be honest, against House of Torture, you can't really do an awful lot different. You have to be a bit of a heel to make it work. I think he'll find his groove a bit more. And I think it'll be better when he's just against regular heels, if you see what I mean. Because against House of Torture, you kind of got to break the rules or you don't get anywhere. So they're still kind of in that rule breaker mode. But when they're kind of like Suzuki Gun, when it's easier to be a babyface, then they might be a bit better off. Does that make sense? Yeah, but it's just even in his mannerisms, he's not quite sure how to tone it down, if needs be. I don't think he needs to, but you could just... No, I, the, yeah. the wheels are trying to go on his head. He's like, I'm a good guy now. How do I do this? Because, like, Tamatonga's done it before. He knows how to pull off the good guy shtick. But, like, lower scene... Yeah. Like, matches like this are perfect to sort of push that. Because you're beating yeah. someone way more loathsome than you. The last time he was a babyface was in, in a national promotion, was Impact Wrestling when he was part of a faction with Drew McIntyre and LA Knight, um, which came in to go up against uh, uh, MVP's faction. And as all of those people now have jobs in different companies are getting paid way more, it clearly worked well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, I know what you mean. I think he'll find his feet with it. It took him a little while to find his feet in New Japan generally. He wasn't a contracted wrestler for his first three years with New Japan. He like won three championships, but he was still wasn't on contract. He was on a nightly deal. So, you know, yeah, there you go. It's just about finding your place, isn't it? And it is also, as much as I love Jado, it's difficult to be a babyface with a manager sometimes as well. So, so long as Jado, who's exactly the kind of guy you want in this role because he has enough experience to rein stuff in and he's been a bad guy for long enough to make it work if that makes sense and there's also the point god weren't necessarily as bad guys bad guys were they when you know bullet club were rolling you know it was with god they were the 
they were the respected tag team, weren't they? They were the, they were the you might not like them, but they are really good. So they, you know, you've still got a bit of residue from that, I think. True. Um, okay, move on to the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match. Six or nine, Master Wato Reisuke Taguchi defeated Suzuki Gun, Duki Yoshinuba Karamuna, Kanemura in nine minutes and ten seconds. We were informed at the beginning of the match with some horror upon my good self that uh, Raisuke Taguchi was going commando, which we really didn't need to know about. Um, I wasn't the only person that commented on this. Ross Berman, who is the host of Tama's Island, Tama Tonga's podcast, <laughs> included mine, <laughs> showed his timeline, which was, oh my God, Taguchi's got no underwear on. And it was like all of the major commentators of New Japan Pro Wrestling, including my good self, which I'm glad Ross included me in. It's like, oh God, Taguchi's got no underwear on. Um, which was all to do with Duke's grabbing of the tights deal. Um, again, this was really good. I kind of liked it. It was fun. It was just entertaining. Duki and Yoshinubi Kanemura aren't really getting like the the baby face rub the rest of Suzuki Gun go. They're still grimy, dirty heels, and you got to you got to respect that. Haven't you, really, they do that really, really well. Now, Taguchi and Wato were Taguchi and Wato. They're perfectly competent, good at what they do, and this oddball tag team continues a rolling on. Your thoughts, sir? Yeah, I can't fault it. It was pretty fun to watch. Wato has gotten past the point of being a screw-up every match, so, like, half my material's gone now, but <laughs> I'd, I'd rather enjoy a good match than be able to p- pull out about ten different jokes about how someone can't even do a flip properly, so, yeah. It's... Yeah, it's, not, it's just nice to be positive about wrestlers and wrestling. I won't go that far, that gets rid of half my shtick on this show, but... <laughs> It's It was fun to watch, and yeah, nobody needed to see the nightmares of Taguchi's ass. No, no, there are no winners when it comes Who to Kanemaru. Yeah, there you go. No way to treat a living legend of King's Road Junior Heavyweight Wrestling. Uh, but yeah, Dookie was awesome in this match as well, as he is in most matches, and I'm glad he gets a bit of a push here. Uh, it is really, really cool. Uh, then we had the last match before the break. We are going to take a break and talk uh, in the middle of this show about the Best of Super Juniors because all of the matches were announced in the break of the show. So we may as well do the same thing they did. This was a IWGP Tag Team Championship match in a three-way match. Now, as long-term listeners show of this show know, I hate multi-man matches and multi-team matches are worse because it's everything times two. And this pretty much summed that up. It wasn't atrocious. Uh, but it was never going to be great. <laughs> uh, Bullet Club, Battle of Farley and Chase Owens are your new IWGP heavyweight tag team champions. They defeat Great Okan, Jeff Cobb, and Bushimon, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi in 9 minutes and 42 seconds. This really wasn't long enough to get going in the way people thought it would get going. It was a tornado tag team match, or sorry, a Tongan tornado tag team match, as Battle of Farley put it. So it was a six-man, it was just a mess, <laughs> essentially. And it was kind of predictably, uh, Goto got pinned by Chase Owens. Therefore, the champions didn't lose the belts in the ring, which gives them a comeback. It's kind of predictable ABC booking, which happens in spring in the tag team division. I don't know why they do this. 
They take forever to get the tag team division revved up. Everything's cooking on gas. They've got a couple of good championship runs. And all of a sudden, oh, we need a six-man. Oh, we can't do this. We can't. Sorry, we need a, a three-way match. You can't do it without a three-way match. It's got to be a three-way match sometime in the spring to stuff everything up. That's really what's got to happen. And this was a good example of that. It was a slight variation on the normal mess that they make between World Tag Leagues and Best of Super Junior of the tag team division. Um, Chase Owens as a new IWGP champion is not necessarily a look I particularly wanted to see either. Uh, but there we are. John, your thoughts? My boy. What did they do to my boy? Why did they have to dethrone Orkan in his first defense? Like, for fuck's sake, let me enjoy something. <laughs> I didn't need bad luck Farley and Chase Owens becoming... IWGP Tag Team Champions at the expense of the one guy that I'm invested in from United Empire. <laughs> I have a feeling that they're going to get them back. I think Bushimon are done for a while because um, they've had their run and they'll need them separate for the G1 anyway. So I have a feeling United Empire will be like, they'll get them back to get them some heat to run into the G1. Because uh, I can't see Bad Luck Farley and Chase Owens keeping them for a long particular run either. <laughs> <laughs> really. Just, just can't. <laughs> it's just not going to happen, is it? Bad Luck Farley had the Intercontinental Championship for about three weeks, six years ago. That was the longest championship run. He beat Nakamura for it, and then Nakamura beat him back for it. Um, and, you know, Chase is Chase. It's, it's a reward for being loyal, I guess. <laughs> but it's like you know it feels like this win is just to push what came later it is and I suppose that's perfectly reasonable if you've got this overarching narrative which developed over the evening so we'll talk about that at the end but it just seemed a bit odd to start with I'm absolutely damn skippy no one's burning for a bad luck Barley and Chase Owens match versus the young books at Forbidden Door are they um, but there you go. That's something else we need to talk about today. Um, now that well, you've said you... that, you've given someone the idea. <laughs> Someone's going to be seriously typing, like, oh my god, that's going to be the best thing ever. They can't super kick Farley. He's six foot tall. Over <laughs> six foot tall, but you know what I mean. Oh, the are screwed. I... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they're typing an evil laugh, but. <laughs> then again, I don't think yeah. this person's all there because they want that match to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Let, let, let us let us move on. We will talk about let's let's talk about the best of Super Juniors first, and we'll talk about Forbidden Door afterwards, and then we'll get with the rest of the show. So, best of Super Juniors this year is back to two blocks in its old time slot and has a collection of the best junior heavyweights in the world and TJP. So, we'll start with Block A. <laughs> Raisuki Taguchi. Sorry, Karen. I can't hate TJP. Like, I find him annoying as a person, but as a wrestler, he has too many good matches at this point for me to be like, ah, shit. Eh. This is because I watch MLW, though, and obviously he's an MLW regular. Yeah, no, I just... Uh, I'm skipping up on him, I'll be honest. Just too many men's rights tweets down the years just eventually made me go, oh, for God's sake, man. Anyway, great if he had a bit of self-awareness, but he never does. No, no, this anti-masking, uh, anti, uh, anti, what's the phrase I'm looking for? 
anti-vax demasking the rhetoric didn't help either just dislike him on every possible level which is why he's the ideal guy for united empire really <laughs> there you go oh let's move on block a raisuki taguchi chances of winning the best of super juniors in a percentage oh god uh 10 percent okay yo uh came second last year so i'll put him at 60 i'd agree with that clark connor's 40%. I feel like they'll give him a good showing because he's one of the only LA Dojo guys in the tournament. Hiromu Takahashi. Uh, 90%. Hiromu's always a lock on tournaments like this if they need to pull like something storyline-wise for him. I would agree. So, yes, a man who has a lot of interest in him and has got a big feud lined up with um, Rocky Romero, Ace Austin of Impact Wrestling. I'll say 60%. He's the Impact X Division title. He's one of the most sort of hot talents on the independent scene. He'll get a good run. Do I think he'll win it? Probably not. But hopefully Mm. they give him the strong showing he deserves. I would agree with that. Uh, Alex Zane. I'll say 60% Uh, again. Yeah, I think you'll win a couple of matches. You'll have a good show. Francesco Akira. Another member of United Empire. Uh, same guy, generate 60%. I think I might hold that to 70% because they made a big deal out of it. I don't think it win the tournament, but I could see him get into the final. Because we can always yeah. they can always play the card he's new and no one knows how to wrestle him, which is a nice card to play if you've got somebody you're trying to get over. Uh, Taiji Ishimura. Like- it's kind of like the ELP situation from a few years back, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Taiji Ishimori. 80%. Ishimori's already agree with that as well. on tournaments, and with something that happens later in this year, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility with him winning it. Show. 40%. I would agree with you, but I'm going to put him at 80% because it's show versus yo on the last night. Uh, that just no. makes me bump yours odds up, to be honest. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, because that would make sense because the show won the last match, so that would make sense for Yo to shatter Show's dreams and send him further into a spiral. Just we move on to what your um basically blasts him with a wrench just so he's not barring. Uh block B, Master Vato. I don't know why I can say the German matter. Sorry? Tanamaru is in air block. I do apologise. Yeah, we got talking about Takashi. Yoshinobu Kanamura. Kanamura. Kanamaru. I would put him at a solid 50% because he's there to cause upset. I would beat Taiji Ishimori because Taiji Ishimori can't beat him. So. <laughs> I've beaten him once now. He's beaten him once out of 13 tries in the last 15 years. That does mean it's happened, though. It does, but it's very rare occurrence. In fact, I won't be surprised if Kanemura doesn't have a crack at Ishimori for that IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. One last run, one last time. If, if, if he beats him, oh, we're giving away what's happening later in the show. We'll talk about that later. But if he beats him in the tournament, 
then I can see that being a title defense. And a title defense definitely worth watching. Those two are always good. Yeah. Uh, let's go. Got it. Let's go to block B. Master Wato. Thirty percent. Sorry, how many percent? Thirty. I like him, but it ain't happening. Robbie Eagles. Uh, former champ, but kind of on the back burner at the moment. Probably thirty percent again. I would think so. He had a disappointing best of Super Juniors last year as well. So it's the narrative that he's just not good in tournaments. Titan, long time no see. Sixty percent, sort of big return, big name, probably a few big matches. Bushy. As much as I love him, about 40%. Everyone seems to forget Bushy exists except me. No, I agree with you. He doesn't get as much. I mean, he won six matches last time, so he didn't need it. He's terrible. But it's because he does. there isn't many junior heavyweight matches that aren't title matches, so he doesn't get an awful lot. And he tends to be designated pin for a guy in um, LIJ because he's a junior heavyweight and they're always wrestling. He's the only junior heavyweight and they're always wrestling heavyweight talent. He's, he's Hiromu, obviously, but they protect at Hiromu at all costs. So. Uh, El Desperado. 90%. I think, yeah, I think, I don't know who's going to win this tournament, but it would get Despy an awful lot of rub, which he wouldn't say he needs. He's kind of the established star, but he's the right guy. It's in Hiromu, I think. Those are the two obvious ones, but we'll see. Dookie. Hmm. I'll say 60%. He's on like a really hot streak at the moment, as far as like New Japan interest is concerned. So I can see him pulling out a few upsets along the course of this tournament. I would agree, definitely. Uh, your current G-Rex champion from Glate, L. Linderman. 70%. I don't think they're going to have him win it because they're too busy in setting up Linderman and Desperado. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's the plan, really, long term. Wheeler Yuta, your current Ring of Honor Pure Wrestling Champion. I put him at about 60%. Like He is one of the hottest stars out there right now. Everyone likes Wheeler Yuta. He's got William Regal's backing. It's like, if he has a like a damp tournament run, I'll be very surprised. TJP. 40%. He's good, but nobody's that invested in him. No, yeah, I'd probably around about 20% myself for that for that same reason. He's just like mm. El Fantasma. Uh former finalist, former champ. I just don't see the odds being very high. I'll put him at 50%, the highest. Fantasma has never won the belt. Has he never won he's it? Tag... No, he's won the tag team belts. Oh. No, he came close to beating Osprey, and he came close to beating Aroma, but he's never won the belt. He's only had three shots out, I think. Oh. So, because he won the he won best of Super... No, he won the Super J Cup twice. Three times he won the British Super J Cup in Rev Pro when he got he won the Super J Cup in the States. Because mm. um, him and Hiromu had a number one contenders match on Disruption a couple of years ago. Hiromu's looking to three peat, he's got his the idea of got three in a row. 
which is a narrative that they could pitch, which will keep things moving. So it could be the best of super, best best of super juniors we've seen in quite some time, and especially as the like the last two were kind of shortened because of COVID. So yeah, with the guests, it could be really really exciting because it makes it unpredictable. We don't know who's going to win what. So yeah, this is the first one I've been actually excited for in a while. Yeah, definitely. Me too. Um, Forbidden Door news. Um, not much because no matches have yet to be announced. Uh, though brilliantly, Booker T weighed in today and uh, suggested that our, our wrestling fans are really watching New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's like, well, yeah, because they're a wrestling fan. <laughs> <laughs> Will it widen the market? We, yeah. And it's like, it's not a forbidden, it's also his other comment was, it's not a forbidden door because New Japan wrestlers and AEW wrestlers can wear it though. So it's not a forbidden door. It's like, he hasn't really no idea what forbidden doors mean, does he? It's like, oh, bless. This, will just, Any, this should be the excuse to give us Joe Suzuki too. It should. Um, trying to which think. would be outstanding. What other matches could they do that would be really interesting? I Tanahashi wants Punk. That's been well documented down the years. I think Punk would like Tanahashi. I think that would be really cool. Um, oh, there, because... was, there was something quite heartbreaking the other day. Because um, um, on Impact, Josh Alexander beat Moose. They had the yeah. rematch on an episode of Impact. Josh won again. And then Ishii came down to challenge him. And I don't think I've ever heard so much silence. And I'm just like, this is Tomohiro fucking Ishii. But He's New Japan fucking... fans... But so, but Impact fans are in a... Me and Marcus have talked about this a lot. Like, Minoru Suzuki debuts in AEW. 10,000 people sing Kose Nina Rei. Uh, in the Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York. Minoru Suzuki debuts in GCW. 500 people scream Kose Nina Rei in whatever place they were in. I can't remember exactly. Minoru Suzuki turns up in Impact Wrestling. Three people know what the words are. Because the, the, what Booker T was talking about, the fact that AEW fans will watch New Japan but don't, don't not general wrestling fans won't impact wrestling fans genuinely don't watch anything else but impact wrestling a lot of the time i have no interest in it and therefore it just doesn't click with them and that shows in their live audience they're just like yeah there's another guy from japan so you know it's the, a lot of the time that happens it's not unusual for it to happen but you're right now <laughs> Joe Ishii would be cool. That would be that would be cool. I I don't I don't want to have big hitters versus big hitters all the time though. I'd like something a bit different. I'd like like Tai Chi versus Orange Cassidy. That would be kind of cool. I'd kind of want to see that. That'd be intriguing because Tai Chi is known for working people out. But how do you work out Orange Cassidy? That would be that'd be cool. I'd like to see that. Um, I'd like pure wrestling matches as well. Don't get me wrong. I'd like um, Zach Sabre uh, Jr. versus Wheeler Yuta. That would be outstanding, and um, and something just a bit weird. Hiromu Takahashi versus Adam Page, just because they're oddballs, but they're a different kind of oddball. If you see what I mean, their, their oddball stuff is based on their mental outlook on life. 
you know, the millennial wrestlers in the truest form, if that makes sense. I think they would be amazing together to watch. Um, so yeah, I don't necessarily. I'm not always necessarily up for like you know the big big match. Oh, you sometimes it's important. That's that's it does, but that's isn't it? That's a um, they've got that sign for that show in Chicago, I think. Um, you know what? Um, where are we? Uh, let me look here. I think, yeah, Chicago Collision Chicago, or what's it called? I know the one you mean. Uh, Capital Collision, that's the one. Yeah, Eddie Kingston, Eddie Kingston, Tommy Oishi, and Minoru Suzuki and Brody King have already been announced for that. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that should be intriguing. Um, but yeah, so so there's a couple of things that have already been announced for shows that are on New Japan anyway. I know he doesn't wrestle uh, anymore, but could you imagine William Regal versus Tanahashi? No, this probably happened way back in the past, if you look it up. I would think it probably happened when Tanahashi was a young boy. Maybe not, because Tanahashi started as a young boy just as Regal was getting on with WWE. So maybe not. But that would be really cool. I'd like Punk versus Tanahashi, because one of them would have to turn heel. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you know, and both of them work sort of heel incredibly well. And then it couldn't be Punk. You couldn't have Punk as a heel. With Tanahashi coming in and turning in the middle of the match, that's always cool to watch. Like he had two against Nakamura. That was, you know, have you seen that match from Invasion Attack in 2013 when mm-hmm. Tanahashi wrestled Nakamura? So he, it was for the Intercontinental title. And it was like Tanahashi walked down. Like Nakamura was untouchable in Tokyo. He was the god in Tokyo, no one you, you couldn't get a bad reaction. And Tanahashi was literally listening to the fans as he walked down to the ring, and there was like a light bulb goes off in his head, and it's like, yeah, I'm not the babyface tonight, and he was dirty. <laughs> it's like if Tanahashi Dra- wants to be evil, he will be the evilest motherfucker on the planet. It's dragon, dra- dragon through dragon screw leg through leg. Sorry, try this again. Dragon screw leg whip through the gate. Of the guardrail, it was like, whoa, <laughs> what happened, Tanner? Who upset you? But yeah, so there's a few things that have got kicked off with that, but nothing's set in stone. I have a feeling you're probably going to get a couple of big tag matches out of it. I have a feeling. My personal thoughts would be Tanahashi and Okada versus Hangman, and someone Hangman could tag with. I'm trying to think of a big name, so maybe Hangman and Sammy Guevara. Guevara get pinned, obviously, but it'd be, I think that's the likely thing, if you see what I mean. Mm. But they did like they did with the Noah show. It's always disappointing, though, because you you feel like nobody loses in a situation like this. So I don't get why you have to keep big dicking the other company. It's like at the end of the day, people want to see dream matches. People will pay to see dream matches. Nobody gives a shit who wins or loses. Like, no company is going to look weak. Just bloody do it i would agree with you to i i would agree with you to an extent but if you look back in wrestling history uwfi entered a uh agreement with new japan pro wrestling and by the end of that agreement uwfi no longer existed because it went out of business 
So there are good reasons why they do it this way. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, but, but that's UWFI. They were a lot smaller than we look at the likes of AW or NOAH. Like if yeah, UW, yeah, and New Japan, sure, then there would definitely be someone coming off worse. But I would, it, I would, sorry to interrupt. Her. I just, I don't understand when it's companies of this scale. It's like if they did a show with DDT, then DDT wouldn't give a shit. They just give people the matches they want, and if they lost, they lost. They don't care. They're there to be a super indie. It's, I it's... would I would agree with you, but UWFI at the time were outdrawing New Japan on money, and they were outdrawing All Japan on money. They were huge. Then why the fuck did they agree to such a daft deal? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> The trouble with UWFI was, was it's a shoot promotion, right? Now, we watch Glate and the current run of UWF, and it's it's a shoot promotion, but they're not really shooting, shooting. Back then, they were shooting, shooting, except for the finish. So they were literally knocking seven bells out of one another for about 15 to 20 minutes. And you can't run shows like that all the time because wrestlers would just be injured all the time. So they were only running one show a month, whereas New Japan could run two weeks on, two weeks off, like they have done forever. And as a result of that, they were losing money hand over fist because all wrestlers in Japanese companies at the time were contracted wrestlers. They were all being paid, and you had to run a dojo and a training facility, and people who were rigid needed paying. So as a result of that, UWFI was financially viable for the first three years of its existence. And then all of a sudden, they started going into money trouble when... They had to pay wrestlers who weren't wrestling because how else do you keep them on your books? And they couldn't get the ticket price to square with what they were trying to do. There was also a major pay-per-view deal in the United States, which didn't grow the market the way they thought they would do. It was complicated, but UWFI were massive. They were not a small company. And that's one of the reasons why they entered into a deal with New Japan, which filled arenas for months on end and eventually influenced Terry Bishop to start the end of the UR. But I agree with what you're saying, but it's it's just more of an exhibition than a serious show, I think is really what they're going at. But it might set something up serious for down the line, which might not be a bad way of going about it. It just always baffles me that we've got to have this sort of half and half affair where nobody really wants to commit too much because they think they're going to look bad. If you gave us, say, Okada versus Hangman, and Hangman lost, nobody's going to be looking at that thinking, well, look at how much of a weak champion Hangman is. They're going to be like, okay, he took on what many people consider to be the best wrestler in Japan and lost. Oh, well, that was fucking awesome. (laughs) Like, that's the Ah. mindset I feel like most people who are going to watch an AW cross New Japan show will be going in with. Not a case of, oh, I can't wait to see New Japan squash AW like bugs or other way around. Uh, well, AW's going to fucking stomp New Japan. It's just like, they save that tribalism for whenever WWE enters the conversation. <laughs> they don't... I don't know. I, I, I agree with what you're saying is that the fans that wrestling fans now see wrestling differently to the way UWF and New Japan fans would have seen it in um, 1993. I agree with you. But equally, I understand wrestling companies being, especially Japanese wrestling companies, being guarded as about who does what. 
So I can understand what you're saying, but I see their point of view too. You know, so, but we'll see. I just hope we get a better sort of array of matches than we did with the Noah show. Because as much as I love that Noah show, it felt pretty half-hearted because it was all tag bouts because everyone was being protected. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. It does need to have some singles matches on it with some stake or some tag team matches on it with some stakes. The best like example the old... I've ever seen of cross companies was when Cyberfight originally bought um, Noah and we're like, right, we're going to merge. Well, we're going to have DDT interact with Noah. And Congo came in and just beat the fuck out of everyone. And then it was like Team DDT versus Team Congo. And Congo won. And nobody was just thinking, oh, look how weak DDT is. They're like, well, no, we're messing around with that comedic shit. And it built to this amazing storyline. And you're just like, why aren't they doing that with New Japan? You'd you'd feel like, set something up for the future. People will want to come back to this well. You yeah, I, you were the story of Bully Ray and um, the, the night ECW had the show with um, FMW. Yeah, and it was the terrifying yeah. board meeting. <laughs> that's, that's the thing that people are up against. It's not just as, as simple as that, but I agree with what you're saying anyway, but yes. Shall we move get back to the card? Oh, sorry, do you want to carry on? I just have one else? more point. It's like everyone's always mm. like, oh, it's we love these companies, but it, it gets stale. So it's like, well, why aren't we sort of doing this formula where it? Do, I know they don't like to cooperate very often, but imagine if just once every six months, maybe we had super cards between companies, and it was it wasn't just tag matches. It was we've got these stories that run for years on end of rivalries between these two companies because. The stars of them just can't beat each other. Like, DDT well, eventually I... got one over on Noah, but it took a long-ass time to do it. We could see that with, like, New Japan and Noah, or AW and New Japan, and nobody would, art, like, hate it because they're getting proper matches with long-term interest, and it's not just some little fireworks display. No, I understand what you're saying, but it is just it's just the way things are. I think, and it's also the point is, I mean, Ring of Honor and New Japan used to do it all the time, you know, because there was a there was a constant stream back and forth. NATO used to go and do TV tapings, you know, and so it, it can be done. And it, in fact, to be honest, it's been easy with Impact just because they tape 13 weeks of TV in two days. So, you know, Jay White turns up, gets paid, <laughs> does 13 weeks of television and then sods off to go do an indie show on New Japan Strong and he's quite happy. So it's a bit easier with Impact, but because AEW is going live every week, it, that's the struggle of the narrative, isn't it? It's like, you know, it, it's, it's difficult because New Japan don't work on a weekly TV basis. They work on a big pay-per-view basis with tours and you, have, you don't have to watch all of the tours to make it make the pay-per-views interesting you can get away with just watching bits and pieces of the tour or not i didn't watch any of the tour for this particular show because i i don't have the time to sit and watch wrestling every day i'll make the effort for best of super juniors and for um world tag league in the g1 
and even New Japan Cup, but I don't have the time to sit there and watch house shows all day. So people, they they are essentially just dipping in once a month. Whereas with AEW, you've got to watch every week to kind of stay on top of what's going on. So it, that's the other switch in the narrative issues that, that, that they'd probably find difficult to navigate. But they could fix it. It can be done. We'll see. Hopefully it brings up with something. I'm hoping this is the smaller thing that sets off to a bigger thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. We all know I keep yeah. banging the gong for everyone working together anywhere. Mm. But anyway, let us get back to the show. The first of the big title matches was Tama Tonga challenging for Evil's Never Openweight Championship with Dick Togo. 13 minutes and 25 seconds. Tama Tonga, the bad good guy, is your new Never Openweight Championship. And there was a massive sigh of relief from the audience and the commentary team that Tama Tonga had won his first single championship in New Japan Pro Wrestling. It was not a great match. I didn't think it was going to be a great match, but it was a match that told the story really well and itself, but it was basically run on emotion as Tama Tonga runs on emotion. That's what this match was about, and I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, you called this. You said it would happen, and you were right. Yeah. Um, the match was all right. It's it's an evil match, so you've kind of got to temper your expectations at this point. <laughs> it's like, I've, There's I've a lot that... No, but to be fair to him, they have lowered the shenanigans. Yeah, after the fact that he gave Ishii a, like, a bad match, like something had to change, because Ishii having a bad match is rare. Yeah, that's yeah when you know something rare. has gone wrong. But yeah, it, it, I think that was the... I, I think as well, it's just people who got bored of it, and I think they got the message, all right, we've probably done this too much. We can still do it in small doses and it'd be a lot, lot better. And it is, to be fair. It was a lot more watchable. Um, but it was the right guy to be evil because I, w- I would have preferred if it was Hiromu because it would have done something different with the championship. But Tamatonga, kind of like you've got him as this new rising red hot baby face. You've got to give him some push. And this was push. So, yes, good work, Tamatonga. Good work, evil. Well, it was also to uh, boost what came next. Yes, indeed. After Tama Tonga won the championship, there was an interruption from the Good Brothers as Carl, Machine Gun Carl Anderson and uh, Doc Gallows made their re-entrance into New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, Gallows and Anderson beat down Tama Tonga and Tangaloa and Jado and challenged Tama Carl Anderson, challenged for the Never Openweight Championship, uh, saying that uh, Tonga had started something he can't finish. They're back in Bullet Club and back where they belong, as far as they are concerned. Not sure the fans of New Japan feel the same way. Um, can Anderson and Gallows have the same impact on the New Japan product they did four years ago when they left, or six years ago when they left the company? Probably. I mean, the New Japan tag division always needs new parts, and having one of the most like well-respected tag teams back like, sure, they had a long time away in New Japan, not from New Japan and WWE, where they kind of didn't really get to do all that much. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, they've been holding the fort down on Impact, just sort of waiting for a chance to get back into Japan. I think we'll make the most of it. Like, will they be the best tag team around? Probably not, but 
then again, I don't think they're aiming for that anymore. They just want to be where they enjoy being, get paid and put on wrestling matches. Yeah, I think that's the key difference is since they've been an impact, they have been spinning their wheels <laughs> a lot because <laughs> there's not an awful lot to work with there. I bet they were dead happy when uh, Finn Juice turned up because they had somebody to wrestle. But it, yeah, it's um, it, it's worked well. And this kind of angle, you did feel a level of excitement for Bullet Club that you didn't feel before. Like um, I got nostalgic hearing the old Machine Gun Carl Anderson music. It's yeah, that long. was cool. I'm I'm wondering if they're going to take the gunshot sounds off of Jace Owens now because because Carl Anderson's back. <laughs> I don't but know. We'll There's see. a lot of gun fetishists in Bullet Club, so just let it stay. They they're all they're all gun fetishists. It's just like, ah. Except um, White, who's a knife pervert. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it is just the Bullet. They they produced a new T-shirt, which was uh, the Bullet Club single over the US flag the other day, and it was like, oh my god, what are you doing? But yes, um, to be fair, Bullet Club shirts are just. Sort of, you've got the Universal logo, and they try to modify it for wherever they are. So because yeah, I don't think it's supposed to be any deeper than that. I'd hope. No, I I still like the original Bullet Club T-shirt, just the red, red, white, and black logo, like the kind of like um, the really gorilla-looking one. I like that one more than I like the skull and cross machine guns one. But anyway, let us move on. Taiji Ishimori defeated El Desperado for the IW Junior Heavyweight Championship, which we alluded to earlier. Business picked up in this match. This match was exceptional, as you'd expect them to. Kind of disappointed that Despi lost the title this particularly this early in his run, though I suppose he's had it for quite some time. He's had it since before uh, Best of Super Juniors. Um, sorry, not before Best of Super Juniors, but um, just after Best of Super Juniors. And uh, yeah, this was this was outstanding, just outstanding. But uh, you can't expect. The only issue I have with it is Ishimori's been in a comedy tag team for the last six months, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's good enough to be the champ. And that's that. I mean, Ishimori is the perfect utility wrestler. You can stick him in the opening match, or you can stick him in a classic for the, the IWGP Junior World Championship, and he'll deliver no matter what. But the narrative seems a bit hackneyed. I suppose the narrative is Desperado's fended off all of these great challenges and he was going to get picked off eventually um, because of the injuries he received from Show and one thing and another. And Show was softening issues, softening more for Ishimori. Um, but yeah, it, it just seemed a little bit out of whack. Your thoughts on this one, John? It's all because Despi called out Ishimori. Like yeah. when they had their confrontation, it was a case of like, I've beaten you before, but it wasn't a proper match or something along those lines. So it was like, okay, it's game time. And Desperado got what he wanted. He got Ishimori firing on all cylinders, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I am such a child. Because I use the New Japan site for results. And I've just realized that Ishimori's finisher is called the Bone Lock. (laughs) The Bone Lock, yes, yes, yeah. Or one of his finishes, Bone Lock, Yes Lock, and Bloody Cross, isn't it? Those are his three finishes, but yes. He is the Bone Soldier reborn. (laughs) Though, because, you know, the original Bone Soldier was shite. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's just putting two and two together. The Bond soldier with the Bond <laughs> John will be back with us shortly. I wouldn't care. This isn't even the funny bit of the show. <laughs> but anyway, it also it's puts great, a... Great man. It also... <laughs> it, it also puts a major tilt on Vesta Super Juniors with Desperado no longer being the champion, obviously clawing his way back. You know, the tournament narrative for them is whoever wins Vesta Super Juniors gets a crack at the champion when it comes to Dominion or it will be, yeah, it will be Dominion, won't it? It's the next big super show, I think. So, yeah, that'll be intriguing because um, Hiromu's not got the belt, Desperate's not got the belt, Ishimori. Hasn't won Best of Super Juniors before he got to the final. He had that breathtaking final with uh, Hiromu Takahashi at Kurokan Hall in 2018. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but we'll see, won't we? Well, this will be the chance for Ishimori to have a proper title run, considering the last one he had got cut short when they did um, Super Card of Honor. Was it Super Card yeah. of Honor? No. Yeah, yeah no, he lost the belt to Dragon Lee. But he didn't get pinned, did he? Because it was a three-way match. Was it Bandido? I think. Yeah, Bandido, yeah. Ishimori, and Ryu Lee. Ryu Lee, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there's a possibility that, that could happen. It might be a bit longer. Um, or it might just be transitional to see, because you're then thinking about the run to Wrestle Kingdom for that belt already, because I'm assuming they want to do Hiromo Despi again, but I could be wrong. But it would be, you know, the narrative is Hiromu and Despi want to headline Wrestle Kingdom. That's what they want to do. And it would take them two to headline it. So you've kind of got to work out the scenario where they could. And I think that would be actually really nice if they headlined on the fourth and the heavyweight title headlined on the fifth. And it might do something for the fact that the running on the fifth is no, you, you get like, like it was last year, like twenty-five thousand people turned up on the fourth, and on the on the fifth, ten thousand people turned up because he wants to see a guy versus Will Osprey. But you know, I mean, it's um, you might fix that issue if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, outstanding work for both men. Let us move on um, to uh, the IWGP United States Championship match. Uh, unfortunately, William Ospreay could not uh, challenge for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship, having come down with COVID, which is a crying shame. We hope he gets well soon. Uh, instead, uh, on short notice, Tomohiro Ishii was drafted in. And Tomohiro Ishii and Hiroshi Tanahashi proceeded to have an ungodly match, which may be the match of the year. It may have been the best match of Ishii's career, it might have been one of the best matches of Tanahashi's career, and that's saying an awful lot. 23 minutes in 20 seconds of professional wrestling perfection. 9.41 from the cage match users. This was on another level, and for two guys who, let's be honest, aren't spring chickens, this was just sublime. Wrestling does not get better than this. John, your thoughts? Yeah, this is the best match I've seen from a New Japan show in quite some time. Like, I was blown away by what I saw. I was, I went into it with high expectations because this is big match Ishii and big match Tana, and just god damn, <laughs> this this went places. 
this this was on another level, as you said. It's it was just great. I've got no complaints from it at all. No, Other it than, was it was a... you know Ishii didn't win, but Ishii never wins titles that aren't never. Ishii, I mean, he... I... no, I, I mean, Ishii's been Ring of Honor TV champion. He's the guy that never wins the big one. He wins championships. He's won never open weight. But Ishii doing so much in America at the moment, you'd think, hey, let's let's give him the the US title. You'd think so, but I think as well, Tanner. I would have liked to have seen it, but I think they're kind of on a narrative with Tanner of him twilight of his career, and he's trying to like make this championship his world championship and try and grow the company in America. And and Ishii's the perfect guy to kind of get over the this this title matters and it's important and. He was, in many cases, much better challenger than Osprey is, even without, you know, our particular dislike of Osprey. But in the sense of, he was a guy who knows how to make a match feel important, and that's what that title needs because it's been battered around and chucked about and left on the side, and you know, it's been the, uh, as Jim Ross would say, the red-headed stepchild of championships in New Japan. And it needed a big match to make it feel special. And in 23 minutes, they made that that match the most important match and that title the most important title in wrestling. You know, that you didn't really care about what happened on the rest of the card after you've seen that. And that's hard to do on a card this loaded and with what you've got coming up next. You know, you've got New Japan's signature rivalry coming up next in the main event at the Fukuoka Dome. And... I bet Okada and Nato were going, oh shit, what do we do now? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> Ishii was just on another level. And that's not to say Tanner was bad. Tanner just had to go along for the ride. And if there's someone that knows how to make the absolutely, you know, water into wine, it's Tanahashi. And then he's got Ishii on the boil. And Tanner must have gone, oh my God, we're going to make magic. And they did. And uh, that was that was all you needed. And it, I think one of the knocks on Ishii has been he always ends up with big it guys, so like you know Suzuki or Makabe or Battle of Fale. And I think he's at his best when he's wrestling guys who are not like him. And Tanner is the absolute polar opposite of Ishii. You know, Tanner Hash is about finesse, about counter wrestling, about. You know, the philosophies of Dragon Fujinami and Keiji Muto, the less is more approach of professional wrestling. And Ishii's a King's Road wrestler in an issue, in a um, the New Japan style. You know, he's 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 developed this hybrid style that is, you know, tough as they come. He's the opposite. Get the minimum to get the maximum from the maximum, if you see what I mean. So they're perfect one another. Styles make matches. You know, I love watching Ishii clobber in Makabe. That's great. Don't get me wrong. But I'd rather see Ishii where he has to think and he has to become this thinking man's wrestler. And you saw it in the matches with Kenny Omega, the final four. This is the very first final for the tournament, tournament final for this belt, his match against Kenny Omega and his future IWGP Heavyweight Championship challenge towards Kenny Omega. It was some of the best matches Kenny had because Ishii didn't wrestle like Ishii. Ishii wrestled like Kenny Omega. <laughs> and it was just like pulling out poison rhinos. And they did the same thing here. Dragon lose, dragon screw leg sweep from Ishii. It's like when you he know? fought Oxley and turned into a flying fridge. It's Yeah. Yeah. He's just Ishii can 
the Ishii can do it any which way you want to. And he will. Just depends on what he needs to do to get the job done. And that's what makes Ishii great. You know, and Tanner, Tanner's Tanner and he does his thing and he's absolutely amazing at it. And when Ishii had to make him twist to what Ishii wanted to do, Tanner went with him. And it's just like, that's, oh, are you flying? <laughs> like, if you watch just... one match from this show, then, yeah, pick if... this one. If you watch one wrestling match this year, watch this one. You don't need the others. <laughs> I mean, do watch as much wrestling as you can. But, you know, this is just like, this is sublime. This is perfect placement. And then, I, I, and then yeah, so, well, yeah, there's the thing. <laughs> Chase, Owens, Chase Owens, who does have a challenge for the US Heavyweight Championship in his back pocket, came to the ring and said, I have a challenge waiting for you. But I don't need it. I've got my world championship here, which is which is true. Um, and then uh, a masked figure wearing denim and a uh, leather waistcoat me, came in and attacked Hiroshi Tanahashi, laying him out. And it was homeless Juice Robinson. <laughs> That's the best way to describe it. Someone described, it, someone described his look yesterday as... Uh, the disciple from the NWO. And then so someone else replied to that, yeah, but most of Bullet Club look like the disciple from the NWO. <laughs> Why like, the is Robinson in Bullet Club? I don't know. I, his, pro, his promo, I mean, to give him his props, he'll conned all of us because he gave an interview a couple of weeks ago saying my New Japan contract has run out. And I'm done with wrestling. I'm not interested anymore. It's been great. I've really enjoyed it. I'd like to thank the fans. And he was done. And everyone bought that hook, line, and sinker. You know, it was just like, no, he's done. That's all right. And it's just like, and especially with Tony Storm going to AW and it's like, it's like yeah, I don't want to do anything else. I'm happy. I'm done. I'm finished. And then all of a sudden he turns up and it's like, now, whether the execution of his particular character, rock hard Juice Robinson, is, is there or not, is a different thing entirely. Don't get me wrong, because it was—it's pretty hilarious. However, like that part, he did it right. He did the right thing, and it's the advantage of not being on social media. No one was pestering about what he was going to do next. He didn't make any public statements. He just said, ah, "I'm done. I'm finished." And we all bought it, hook, line, and sinker. The so promo I cut after this as well was really good. Like, I'll not take that away. <laughs> I just—I don't see it. Like. This is the flamboyant Juice Robinson suddenly looking like a biker. Now, I think they said it's rock hard Juice Robinson. Rock hard Juice Robinson. Which, again, phrasing, but <laughs> it, just, it doesn't look right. This is, a, it's, this is the it, guy it's... usually dancing and dressing weirdly and just... He's all about having fun, and last time Bullet Club had fun, House of Torture didn't exist. What yeah, the... it, it, it needs some tweaking. Why are I'm not Bullet saying it won't get over. randomly adding members? Like, they've well... got... <laughs> like, I can understand why Chris Bay is there. They want more juniors, but also Chris Bay is just really good and has an attitude. It works. What is... What... What does Juice Robinson and Bullet Club have in common? He's a guy, Jim, sure. But, like, this is the guy who just... You don't think Bullet Club. 
like, did I want him to eventually break away from Hontai if they were ever going to do him with, do something with him? Yes. Would I have picked Bullet Club? Not in a million years. People no. love Juice Robinson. Like, that was one of the few things I could never quite understand, was just how over Juice Robinson was, despite barely ever winning anything. And now, all of a sudden, he's in Bullet Club, which probably means he's no longer going to act like Juice Robinson. No, like, he needs to come up with something to make it work. That does like have he, to happen. He showed off that new move after on Tanner, because he obviously hit Pulp Friction to be like, oh, it's Juice. <laughs> and then bust out I can't even remember what it was but it looked cool so it's like he's got yeah. a new move down which is cool but like how are you going to recapture what made people interested in you if you can't have the silly outfits and the sort of mm. lively attitude yeah that's the thing it's like it's got be... funny now I've analysed it I, I prefer yeah. when I'm just laughing my head off as he suddenly unmasked. <laughs> I, I managed to avoid the spoilers. And uh-huh. I, I'd seen everyone was like, oh, the, the only thing I'd seen was there was a new Bullet Club member. And I I was just sort of like, ah, it's probably going to be... For all I know, Chris Bear's finally come over to Japan or something. I was like, and everyone's acting like he's new when he's been part of Bullet Club for several months now. And I was just like, wait, what? Because I saw the Pulp Friction. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And it was just like, <laughs> then Elon Musk was like, fucking Juice Robinson's in Bullet Club. Chris Jarton did a nice swerve as well because he said, well, there's a couple of people who use that move and it didn't click with me straight away that it would be Juice Robinson. It's so I was just like, oh, yeah. Most people, yeah. if they do it, just sit out with it. Juice is the only person I know that jumps out with it. Yeah. And I highly doubt Christian Cage is going to join Bullet Club. (laughs) It was not the right proportions for Christian Cage. That would have been cool, though, wouldn't it? If I just like, you know, hey, is Christian Cage doing anything this weekend? Anyway, but yes. Uh, So, yeah, so that was that. And then we get to the main event of the evening. Kazuchika Okada versus Tetsuya Nato for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship of the World. Now... Here's the thing. This was not as good as some of their matches in the past, but it was better than the matches they've had this year. It was still outstanding because it's NATO and Okada. But the magic isn't quite clicking yet, and I'm wondering if they're purposefully holding back because they have something big planned for January the 4th when they're really going to let go. Because the narrative of NATO is this year he's been... Thinking differently and getting by on the bare minimum. Like he won every match in the New Japan Cup with a flash pin. He didn't really, he hasn't really used Destino for about three months. He got a couple in on this particular show, but it feels to me like they're building to something bigger. And this wasn't it. This was the thing that gets you to the thing. Like I was talking about with Forbidden Door earlier. This felt a lot better. Um, but I'm wondering if it was worth taking the risk of having a match that wasn't quite perfect to be able to reset um, expectations for a future match. Or is it that they've just genuinely wrestled each other that many times they can't think of anything else to do? So I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss. This was by no means, this is still better than any wrestling match you'll see <laughs> for a long, long streak, don't get me wrong. It got 8.72 from the cage match users. 
Um, but it didn't get that magic number nine, which the previous match did. It's I don't know. What's your thoughts on it, John? It's one of these cases of you can't reinvent the wheel. Like, Okada and Naito have had some of the best matches in, like, recent New Japan history, but there's only so many times you can do that. And even if they're trying new things, it's it's never going to quite be as good as people remember it being. Yeah. Like, it's not bad. Like, a bad Okada Naito match is still better than anything House of Torture can ever produce. But, like... Oh, it's still better than any wrestling you'll see anywhere else in the world. But your mm. expectations are so high that it's just like, how do you top that? You know? It's, it's like, like... The problem with Okada Naito is you look at the pairing and you think, oh, another one. It doesn't... It's always going to have yeah. these sort of connotations of just being tired New Japan booking. It's like, oh, we've run out of challenges again. Hit the Naito switch. And like... Breaking play. Yeah. Break glass in case of emergency Naito. Because it's like Naito, Tanahashi, it used to be Ibushi. It's just these are the people you break the glass on when you've got nothing else. This is why I, mean, I feel like Zack Sabre Jr. should have won at the last show we reviewed, just to freshen up the sort of spring-summer season. Until... I don't disagree with you, but also it's the Pukoka Dome, and you've got to try and fill it. And I'm not sure Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tetsuya Nato fills it, but I know Okada versus Nato fills it. But that's just cynical in of itself, then. It is, because but like... I'm, 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 I mean, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm saying that's a good reason. Because if you're trying to make money, which that's basically at the end of the day is the reason why Hitchcock Wrestling exists. But I understand what you're saying. But I think if Zach had won in the summer when they weren't relying on having to fill stadiums, that would have made more sense because he could always drop it before the G1. And you could have, you know, or you have time to establish him before the G1. But I think it's too early in the year. And then a lot of it is the fact that we that their booking revolves around January 4th and January the 5th every year. So that kind of has become an albatross around their necks in the same way WrestleMania has for WWE. In the sense of we've got to build for this particular big moment, which gives a nice rhythm and story to the year, but it also stuffs you in things like that because in the middle of the year you're going, ah, well, I need to draw quickly so I have to go back to doing the formulaic thing because I know that will draw. But I can't break a new star at this particular time of the year because I can't do it later on. Doesn't, so yeah. But doesn't that just show like an extreme lack of faith in your fan base as well? Like, oh no, they're not gonna turn out for something that's slightly different. Like Zack Sabre Jr. and Naito have had some of the best G one matches for years on end at this point. They are continuously natural rivals with nat like naturally opposing styles. I feel like if they'd beefed ZSJ up to the point where he felt like the genuine main eventer that he is, and then gave him like this shock win over Ricardo. People are going to be like, "Oh shit, is he going to be able to do the same thing for Naito?" Like there is a thread you could build with that that would still sell out arenas because you've got a legend killer in the making with ZSJ. Like, I... oh no, I, I I think there's ways and means of doing it. And I think there's ways and means of uh, of, it, of it happening. But in the 50th anniversary year, 
I think people, I think what they're trying to banking on is people feeling nostalgic and therefore you want the establishment. And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. Um, but it does make for matches like this one, which are absolutely astounding, but still not the standard you're used to from the people involved. Unless, like I said, they are holding it back to lower your expectations. And I think NATO has done an awful lot of work to lower expectations for his matches while still being exciting this year. I think he's been genius at that. Yeah, NATO is one of the smartest wrestlers in the game at the moment. I just... As good as this was, they always felt like there could be more. Yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. I I see what you're coming from. You hit the nail on the head by just sort of saying, how the fuck are you meant to follow what just happened? Yeah, it doesn't help. And then, at the end of that match, and it's a bit like a Marvel movie, you have to wait till the very, very end, because they even set the pyro off and everything. (laughs) (laughs) They did the whole nine yards, and then you heard Bullet Club's music come out. And who walks down the aisle but King Switch himself, Jay White. And that sets off the Bullet Club birthday celebrations as it was the ninth anniversary of Bullet Club being born. So God, it doesn't seem like nine years, but it's true. Uh, well, Carl Anderson singing, as he did, as I watched him, when AJ Styles beat um, Tanahashi in the Fukuoka Dome at Wrestling Dontaku seven years ago, Carl Anderson singing happy birthday to Bullet Club. And Jay White's back, and he's your next challenger for the IWGP World's Heavyweight Championship. And I think he's probably much more likely to win the title than uh, ZSJ was. And I don't think that would necessarily be a problem, as much as, of course, I want Okada to win all the time. (laughs) Yeah, White is champion with a proper reign. Inject it into my veins. I will actually probably watch New Japan again for that. This is the thing. It's like I watched um, Impact Wrestling the other day. I was watching Rebellion and like or last night and Rebellion. And it's like there's Jay White in the opening match with Steve McLean and Chris Saban. No knock on Steve McLean and Chris Saban, both great workers. But it's like, but I've just watched you go out in front of ten thousand people and own the place. <laughs> so what are you doing down here? <laughs> Yeah, like, White is just, just like a lot of the other sort of big guys and big companies. It's like when you're often locked into one place, you you want to work more. It's like Joy Janela mm. put it best. Like he got out of his, his AEW contract finished. And now he's wrestling anywhere and everywhere. Doesn't matter who against mm. or how many people it's in front of because he just wants to wrestle. I think Jay White just wants to wrestle. Like, yeah. He's really bloody good at it. He knows how popular he is. And the most important spots on like a show usually tend to be the opening match in the main event. Because the opening match gets everyone going. And the main event is obviously the main event. So if White can't have the main event, it makes sense to put him in the opening match because he's one of the biggest names you've got knocking about at the moment. I suppose, yes. That does make sense. But there we are. That has listened you to Wrestling Don Taco from the Fukuoka Dome. My name's James Troopany, and my guest today has been Mr. John Dinsdale. Where can we find you on the internet, sir? You can find me at Twitter handle John Deathman. That is the gateway to hell that will lead you to all my writings, my ramblings, my occasional deathmatch photos from shows I've been to. 
And, yeah, obviously, check out Steel Chair, where me and Mr. True Penny both write for. I have GCW reviews coming up, because they had a weekend, and I have to play catch-up. I have an interview with Brian Solomon, former WWF magazine, also WWE magazine writer, and the author of a new book on the uh, original Sheik, which is really, really cool. Just listen, read that interview when you get a chance. My name is James Troopany. You can find me at Sheriff Lonestar. You can, on Twitter, you can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter, and you can find us on Patreon and Facebook, where you can keep us free forever for everyone. We'll be back next week. Not sure what we're looking at yet. We'll have a chat. Anyway, have a good week, and we'll see you soon. Bye! Thank mm-hmm. you.